the six inch and that that, that kitty will eat man it, it'll it'll tear it up quick welcome to the beat around the bench podcast podcast about woodworking good times and general jackassery with your host jess of jess building colton of colt crit ross of rnc woodworking and design you can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 13, Under Siege. What's going on? Gentlemen, great to see you all. Great to see you. I want to ask you guys, before we kick things off, did you guys have any fallout from having our wives on the, on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, Crystal loved it. I thought it she, was great. I had a great yeah. time, and, and Crystal yeah. brought some great comedy in there. It's more of a death comedy jam setup, but it was good. Yeah, she's all the bleeps. Oh man, yeah, it was good. It, well, she was talking about at the beginning of it. She's like, "Oh, you want me on for the whole time?" I'm like, "If you want." She's like, "I thought we were just getting on for the question because she was stressed, like working late, ah. um, and uh, like trying to get back to that." And yeah, by the end of it, there's no way she was getting off. She had a good time. Uh, I'm really glad we did that. Yeah, I, I think it should be quarterly. Um, Monthly yes. might be a we got to test them more on yeah, on things that they good. ask. Yeah, we ask them at the uh, that they if they listen to the podcast or not. We got to ask them questions. And Jess, I do enjoy mm. that your name today is Jester Caputer. That used to be my <laughs> band name. Yeah, I was like, why not? Maybe nice. it'll come back. It's better than the other one. Which well, I have two other ones. One is Slobdobber from Lobdell. <laughs> I don't yep. know where that came from. And Jesticles. So. Yeah, I I think Jester Caputer is one you should <laughs> not, stick with. It's not so bad. Yeah, yeah, this is, this one's a little better. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, gentlemen, what's going on in each of your shops? What's what's happened since Man. we talked last? Colton, let's start Dude. with you. We never get to yeah, start with you. Yeah, we always want yeah, to start. Sure. I want to hear. Yeah, man, we're we're um, doing some big batch progress. Like I, I didn't get hit hit my numbers as far as what I was aiming for last week, which they were they're too high. What's the count at these days? The count of the original thirty-eight that you had. We're not below ten yet, Um, but I so I'm doing it in a lot bigger batch thing. Uh, I I know that Jess suggested that, but so like when I do one process, when I got that tool out, I'll use the heck out of that tool until I can't can't use it anymore. And um, so we have a bunch of tops already poured, and. I, I am realizing that one in the hand is better than six in the bush. Right. And, um, as far as like when it comes to deadlines, but whatever, that's the situation we're at. So I got like six tops right now that are plain, like initially sanded. Uh, the backs are torn out and, uh, all the fine details on, they're just ready for frames. And so, yeah, today I was mass building some frames and, um, yeah, it's going well so far. So but, well, let me ask this. Like as you're finding efficiencies as you're working through these in mass production, are you noticing anything as far as like quality being consistent? Or is it going up or down? Like has that changed at all? That's one thing that slows me down. I always do quality. I I I don't skimp on that. Um even if it makes me later, I I always make sure it's quality. So sure. um so no qu- quality stayed the same. Um when experimenting with different products or different different ways to do it, like right now, the big question is the tops, right? So right now I'm buying this birch plywood, which I keep hearing about this birch plywood shortage, 
but I mean, I did bulk buy my plywood a few months ago and I, I just used my last piece today. And so we'll see how hard it is to get it. Well, I also heard, um, that it, the, the quality of the plywood that the birch plywood that people are getting now is, is crappier too. And I guess that has yeah. to do with the, but I, I haven't seen that myself yet. So the reason is the, the Baltic birch is what most people try and get. And Baltic mm -hmm. birch is, is non-existent at the moment due to obviously the issues with the, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, right. uh, yeah. and embargoes upon that, but there has been birch coming in. It is not Baltic birch. The quality is definitely down, but what has come up is the quality of hard maple plywood. Is uh, it still a thick top veneer though? Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. It's really sound. I mean, how it's much probably is better than birch. How much does mm -hmm. that run a sheet? It depends. I'm on getting the day. that Baltic birch or that we, we I, at the mill we call it Russian birch, but yeah, but yeah, Baltic birch. Um, I'm getting it like sixty five dollars a sheet, and it's for a five by five sheet. So that's for so one set expensive. of tops. That's so expensive. Yeah. So, so I was experimenting with um, uh, these pine tops, right, and. I'm able to, from the big box stores, get a, a, a two by four uh, foot by like three quarter inch thick. Uh, they call it a project panel. It actually comes out the same price or less, like two of those same price or less than the Baltic birch. And I like that so much more whenever I'm making it. I, th I feel like I make it a lot better quality because I'm not worried about burning through that veneer. Like when I run through the drum sander, I also have that extra quarter inch I'm playing with and I can just put a heavy grid on and just eat through that top, you know, whenever we're planing down the, mm -hmm. the resin and I really want that to work. However, it does have knots in it. And didn't you and say last podcast that you were having issues with it gumming up like the sap in there gumming up your sander? Yeah. Well, that, I, that was, if I run 80 or higher grit, um, yeah, I think it's going to gum up, but I've ran it at like, I think I have like some 36 in there and maybe a 40 something grit what? for the drum sander. Unless you're and, like um, just hogging off stuff though. That's not a grit you want to run all the time. Well, uh, so this is hogging off stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, that, like we're the, the resin is poured up maybe an eighth of an inch tall around it. And so it is technically hogging off. Um, it might lead to some more sanding on the back end, like, you know, before finishing. But mm -hmm. I got that, that Fez tool, the the big one. I can't remember. The Rotex? The RTS, whatever. Yeah, the Rotex, uh, the six inch. And that, that, that kitty will eat, man. It, it'll, it'll tear it up quick. But, um, yeah, so, but I think that customers aren't going to like the knots in it. Which I, you know, I love it. It looks more like it's it's actually true full, like it's not hardwood. It's pine. Are you having to fill solid them? Wood. Are you having to fill them with epoxy? Or are you uh, just yeah. leaving them? Yeah. So um, I'll do a combination. Uh, if it's small, I'll do a um, like the black CA glue mm -hmm. or the brown CA glue. Um, if it's bigger, I've actually been doing the uh, that hot glue as well, like the wood filler hot glue. Yeah. And uh, that comes out real clean. And yeah, if I see it ahead of time, I can do it with the epoxy whenever I'm pouring. Cool. But usually at, at that stage, I can't afford to spend another 12 hours of cure time oh, to wait 100%. for the epoxy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I did try some five minute epoxy 
you know, um, it's great when you're doing one piece, brands. when you're batching it up, man, that's not enough time. Yeah. But that stuff, it doesn't like whenever it's, I think it's meant to really glue stuff together. Cause whenever you pull it up, like make a pool of it mm-hmm. or like cast it, basically it stays gummy. Yeah. Right. And I remember I was in a bind once I had a set of boards due, you know, I was like counting my hours right until I had to ship these and I had some holes in it and I tried that five minute epoxy. I was like, Oh, this will be great. And it started gumming up and it was just pure panic. And, um, yeah, pulled the, the rusty, trusty, uh, Dremel out and had to get it out of there, but made it happen. But yeah, so I had a question, Ross. Um, I I've seen in some of your reels lately that you wet down your white Oak before you yeah. uh, are chiseling out your, uh, taking your that out of my mouth. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Is that, swear, is that a thing? I feel like is that I've a white heard Oak that thing before. So typically what people actually do, it's a 50, 50 mix of rubbing alcohol and water. Okay. And if you spray it on to anything that you are trying to do pairing chiseling with, so like you're just taking off super fine layers, you spray it on there and it softens the wood very quickly and makes it very easy to just use the super sharp point of your blade to just almost like wipe it off because uh-huh. you get underneath those grains and it comes off like a super thin sheet of paper. Uh, especially when you're doing some like end grain or cross grain, it's, it's massively helpful. Um, Do you let it dry first? Maybe 30 seconds. Let it soak in. Man. And, th- and, and that's uh, it. that's Paul or whatever uh, all woods, or is that just yeah. white oak? Yeah, it works for all woods. Uh, I would imagine it, that it would that's start a nugget to, right there. It would start to help the fibers separate a little bit for just a yeah. second, you know, because they're yep. so tight together from being dried and pressed and everything else. Yep. Yeah, I saw you do that. I think I've heard that before, but I've never seen anybody do it. It, it looks pretty so, cool. I started following, it's a, uh, a British furniture making school called Waters in Ackland. And I started following them like a year ago. And the stuff they're making is ridiculous out of there. But they make, especially when you're doing um, dovetails, where the boards meet right at the corner, they miter those corners. And they have a jig that just clamps on the side of your board that has that perfect 45. And it allows you to then just stay with that line. And then it, right. it makes it totally perfect. And I'd always wanted to try it and I had never done it before. So I decided to make one of those jigs <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. That thing is absolutely key. Um, it's so it's simple. Allowed me, it's so simple. It's one of those it's, of like, why the hell didn't I think of this? Before? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing I can say is because I was doing so much chisel work this week, I probably lost uh, close to a pint of blood based on the <laughs> amount of times that I cut myself. <laughs> Oh, oh, I saw your, your, your thumb, right? Dude, I, I hit in one day. I nicked myself three times. Most of them were mm. like paper cut type nicks. But like when your yeah. blade is so ridiculously sharp that like it just you don't even feel it touching you. And next thing you know, you're like, where is this blood coming from on my piece? But um, I happened to at one point I had my son in the shop on Thursday because he's out of school. And my wife had taken our daughter for the day to go do something. So he was playing around in the shop and I was trying to do a, a pairing with the chisel and uh, was holding it with my left hand, the piece and trying to pair with my right hand. And my son was like, Hey dad. And I, I moved and I literally hit mm. 
right across the what would be the top of my thumb between the two knuckles, but I hit it flat on and there are veins in there. Yeah. And I severed a vein real, real bad. No. And uh, there was blood everywhere. And it didn't, it didn't really hurt, but I was like, oh no. crap, that's a lot of blood. And my son later. is seven. Like, I'm trying not to like panic my, my seven. Yeah, traumatize my son. So I ended up having to get that cleaned up. And then four hours later, I'm sitting at home and my wife was, and that happened at like four in the afternoon, maybe 3.30. And she was like, okay, let's change the dressing. It looks kind of nasty. So I go to change it and it's still bleeding like it was three or four hours before. Oh and she was like, you really need to go get stitches. So I go over to one of the um, immediate care facilities and the last patient they take is at 7.30 and I got there at 7.35 and mm. all of them around me are that way and i would have had to go to the er i'm like this isn't an er thing so i literally just no. went to walgreens and talked to the pharmacist she was <clears> like just get some steri strips if you don't care about a scar then just tape it up you'll be fine but actually colton when i was at walgreens i remembered you had said to get those little fingertip cover things and i was yeah, like oh the, my uh, god the the marathon band-aids yeah, yeah. So I, I saw him and I was like, I'm going to get one of those. It'll be perfect. I don't know if I bought like, if, if there's a difference in sizes, like, like condoms or something, but like, <laughs> I apparently need like magnums for my hands because that damn thing didn't even get past my first knuckle on my thumb. <laughs> so that did not work. So I have an entire bag or box or whatever you call it of these little finger condoms that I can't really use. So I, I will tell you the number yeah. one thing that you should have in your medic kit at your shop because everybody should have a something bandages and some wash mm -hmm. and stuff for your eye wash. But Dermabond, what is that? The super glue for your skin. And you literally works like that. Well, it's it's less toxic, but it literally is still made from a base of cyanoacrylate, as far as I understand. But I cut the end of my thumb off like the whole side down to the fingernail on a mandolin slicer cutting potatoes one time Jesus. because I'm an idiot. Yeah. And I went, ah, and I barely felt it. And I looked and it was just laying a big flap and I went in and she just put a little Dermabond on it. And I was like, can people buy this? She's like, yeah, you can buy it. So wrap it up. Dermabond. That's like the best stuff. Okay, man. Yeah. Everybody should have some uh, of that. That's good to know. I'm going to have to add that because I still have the other half of the desk to uh to now pair pair back so i have a lot more chiseling in my future so i'm going to definitely need yeah. to uh make sure i get that stuff on hand well yeah it's quick, quick. I, I cut myself decent when i first started sharpening my chisels recently but that was a few weeks ago but. so how do you sharpen your chisels um ross so i actually invested a few years ago into a tormek sharpener I think you told us this. Yeah say, yeah. say it again. So it is a Tormek uh, TA sharpener, which is a rotary sharpener and it's a slow moving water cooled stone. Uh -huh. and, oh, um, nice. And you literally just dial in the angle based on whatever blade you're sharpening. So it's got a little jig that hangs on the top. Yeah. Like an and, L bracket. And, yeah. yeah. And it allows you to pivot the, uh, whatever blade you're trying to sharpen to directly hit at that angle. And mm -hmm. the stone turns against the blade so uh, counterclockwise, if you will, and it spins directly into it. But there's a tray of water down below that keeps everything cool and it keeps the mm. sparks down. So 
Does, um, that, does that work for like an initial sharpen? Like yeah. whenever you're getting like the whole so, blade flat? Yeah. So there's there's a variety of, of things that you can use. I actually have two different stones with it. One of them is actual granite. And um, that one you can change from being around 100 grit up to about a 350 grit. And then I have a 4,000 grit Japanese water stone that I use as well. Mm. Um, so I, I have those guys. And then the opposite side of it is a leather strop. And once you use the 4,000 grit wheel, you pop on the leather strop. And I mean, you can literally shave your entire Sh- body with these. How hands. long do you think he keeps that edge though? So when I'm doing it, uh, it depends what lumber I'm working with. Usually I do like once a week, just sharpenings. When really? I'm working with this white oak, I'm doing, especially the stuff I'm doing right now, where it's a lot of pairing kind of stuff. I'm mm-hmm. doing every day. I'm sharpening every morning. Um, but uh, usually it's about a once a week, depending on how much I'm using my chisels. <clears throat> what I did, when I went to that class for turning, um, she literally had like a cheap Rikon uh, right there next to it. Because when you're turning, I guess, um, you sharpen a lot. Yeah. A lot. But you just touch it. You just mm-hmm. put that little, you actually kind of want a little burr on it, actually. Yep. Uh, Same way like with your uh, card scrapers. Same idea. Right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So we sharpened all the time. Yeah. Oh, I did get my first card scrapers, too. Yeah. With the DFM tools. Nice. I haven't got I haven't got to use them yet, but um, I do have them. They are just key. Get you, what is it, a bastard file, what they call it? And then you just mount it. 90 in a little piece of wood and get it nice and square and then you get that honing thing and just rub it and rub it and rub it until you get a burr and it's amazing when you get it mm-hmm. it feels all right it, it works really really good although yeah. you know what i used today to scrape glue off a paint scraper from a big box store that thing took it right off but it kind of tore out, out the wood well if i didn't keep it in an angle yeah it would grab a piece of glue and take it with it but um I run it. I was planing it anyway, and and it was just trying to get the glue so that it would lay flat on the planer. You know what I mean? It was just a small I, top. I will tell you, I have started like two weeks ago. I started doing it using a putty knife as I'm doing my glue up to just take off the excess squeeze out. Yeah. Oh my god, it has saved me so much time with any kind of tear out later on because all you have is a little bit of like a smear. You follow up yeah. with a wet rag, and there's nothing left. Yeah, I've been. I usually scraped it. I did scrape it with a putty knife, but there's always that little bit that gets under my bar clamps. There's like yeah. these little tiny puddles that I don't quite get out. So mm-hmm. it's no big deal to just take it off real quick. Yep. Yep. So Jess, what are you working on now? How I saw first of all, you got your first piece, That's the right. end tables up for sale. Congrats! That's on right. That. They're at two different stores. Um, the ones, there's another store actually right by my house. I really like her a lot and they have a really neat place and, but she wants, she feels like it'll sell better if the whole set's there. So she's waiting till I get the coffee table and the console done. And then everybody wants it in white oak too. And I think, uh, Rubio makes a white they color, do. cotton they have, white. They have cotton white. They have like true white. They have a few others. I think that's like what a I'm white wash or yeah. a little bit. It kind of gets down in the grain. I think just in this area and in general, that's probably because white oak, if you put a clear coat over it, can look very dated. And to some people, because it kind of ambers, 
So yep. I'm going to just put a little bit of a white to it. I think that'll be pretty, pretty sexy. I think it'll make it look, stand out a little better. Yeah, sexy. Yeah. Basically the same design. But yeah, we got that out. Um, and so I have a question. I have a question. Okay. I, maybe somebody else could write in about this or answer. So it's kind of a sensitive subject, but... I had a, an, a, we'll call him an acquaintance or a friend that wanted, had a, had a son that wanted to have like an internship and maybe get hired for part-time in the summer. He's 16. Mm -hmm. And I never met him. He said, you know, he's a good kid. And I'm thinking in my head, what my dad used to say, it's a button, two hands. He can do something, Right. So especially if he's just going to work for free for a little bit and see if he likes it, because I was more concerned that he would like it, because if you don't yeah. like it, then you don't need to be there. You know what I mean? It's not it's Correct. no fun. That's the yeah. kind of people that I want in my shop. So um, he came and he is special needs, I think, a little bit. I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't seem like nobody said anything about it, but he's he's definitely on the spectrum. and. Um, Loud noises bother him, which is okay because the dust collector's on. And he's mm. always got head. He's always got his. But like we try to like we blow off like before we eat lunch or before we go home because everybody's covered in sawdust and stuff. You know, you take the air yeah. compressor and blow, and it like sends him into a panic. Like he's he's pretty jittery. <clears throat> and so his mother asked me last week, "How's it going? Do you want him to come?" They're having to pick him up and drop him off. He he, he doesn't have his. Uh, driver's license yet he says his permit and and i said um to be honest i don't think he he likes it because to me i think because i have a, a nephew is he a nephew i know he'd be like a second cousin a second cousin that has asperger's right mm -hmm. and he's you know no eye contact very you know reserved very quiet and this kid like i want you to stand all these he doesn't stop like he focuses 100%. He puts his headphones in and he goes to work and he doesn't stop. But as soon as he stops and he gets done, he doesn't say anything. And then he starts like bouncing like up and down like this, you know, because I don't know, maybe he's nervous. Maybe it's a nervous tick or whatever the case may be. He's highly intelligent. Um, like so, so uh, today Dave was trying to show him how to cut something on the chop saw. Right, we were teaching him, but we have a setup where it's got to stop and everything, so he doesn't really have to measure or whatever. But we have multiple pieces all cut the same length, and I just don't know. He seemed very, very hesitant about it. What is your guys' advice on how you would handle it in the same situation? Well, Hold man, I'll let you I, I answer want... that first. <laughs> sure. I, I have I have my ideas, but I'll let you answer first. Sure. Um... Well, oh, I mean, wait, wait. one more, one more caveat. Let me say one thing. So yeah. what I did do before I got there today is I, I had a doctor's appointment and on my way from the doctor's appointment, I called my wife and I said, I want you to make a list for me. And it was a list of all like anything dues in the shop that take up our time, like vacuuming, taking out the trash, sweeping, uh, blowing off the driveway, uh, emptying the trash cans, uh, cleaning the bathrooms. Like there's all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of people in there now. So that's something we have to stop and do, but he can do it. So I said, here's your list. Oh, change the AC filter because we have washable filters. 
we have to change mm-hmm. in, the, in the shop all the time because they get dusty like every day, especially when we're sanding. So I showed him how to take those out and wash them out. And then we have two so he can just keep switching them out every day. So I gave him a list and I said, this is your responsibility. Everything on this list. When you don't have anything to do, pick one of these. I don't care if you clean the toilet every day, but just stay busy and do these. And then when we have sanding and things like that that you're comfortable with, then you can do that. And he seemed to do pretty good with it. He seemed to do like, I didn't have to tell him I didn't go and check it, but he, I saw his sweeping and he did pretty good. You know, um, he's very timid though. So anyway, that's the, the only yeah. other update there. So how would you handle it? Call him. Well, I was going to say, uh, just cause he's timid at first does not mean it's a bad thing necessarily. Like you can look at it. Like you have the opportunity to, uh, give him a lot of confidence in these things. And, um, like, you know, and he's worried about the chop saw, like once you like you teach him and he learns it more, you like, you, have, you know, the opportunity to make a good impression on him, man. He'll get comfortable. And, uh, yeah. I, I'm not saying he will. Then, uh, and if he's still uncomfortable doing it, like after a long time, maybe he doesn't do that anymore or it doesn't work for you or whatever. But, um, and yeah, the same thing with like the loud noises. Um, maybe loud you, you have noises. <laughs> loud noises. Yelling. You have the opportunity to give him the chance to overcome something. And that's, that's more beautiful than even you getting a hand, you know, I, I think that's, that's pretty cool. What do you think, Ross? So I have actually worked with special needs people in the wood shop before uh, the high school shop that I, that we had, uh, they would actually bring some of the special needs students in and they were anywhere from nonverbal all the way up to essentially no issues whatsoever that were visible in any way. Um, And the one thing that I found, I don't know if this was across the board, but the one thing that I found working with anybody who was special needs in the shop, as you said, giving them a task list and it's things that need doing that they feel that they are adding to the benefit of everyone is massive. Uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that you'd be surprised how well they actually love, uh, and I'm not trying to generalize, but, um, anything that has to do with cleanup. And if you say, listen, at the end of every day, you know, when we start to tear down, I need you to start vacuuming up all over the shop. I need you to start sweeping because a clean shop is a safe shop and that's going to keep all of us safe. That's just what the low man on the totem pole has to do. Um, that kind of stuff gives to Colton's point, a sense of accomplishment that they're adding to the greater good. The other aspect is, uh, if the, the machines such as the chop saw and the table saw and things like that are intimidating and or scary, I would shy away from those for right now. Uh, I have actually been on the receiving end of table saw kickback from somebody who has special needs when, they were like, oh, this, you know, it was a nonverbal person and they saw the spinning wheel and they just kind of put it down and let it go. And it went flying at me and a two by four literally hit me right in the stomach. Like it was not fun. So mm-hmm. for the betterment of the safety of, of the rest of the shop, I would say stick to things like sanding. Uh, the domino would be a great tool for them to use because it's real hard to get hurt with a domino. And if you're paying attention to where the lines are, you're not going to mess it up. Um, so that's something that's real easy to use. Uh, stick to more hand tool kind of work to where there's less 
injury prone or accident prone opportunities. And okay. if you can stick to things like that, uh, they can definitely be a great asset in the shop. Um, or, you know, for instance, if you're like, okay, we have this job, we're going to do an install. I need you to make sure we have all the tools we're going to need. Here's the checklist of all the tools. It's just those little things the same way. And I hate to say this, but like the same way you would have like a seven to 10 year old working in your shop. That's mm -hmm. the kind of stuff I would start them on. Ease them into some of the tools, start with hand tools, start with things that are cleanup type duties to then let them know like how much goes into running a shop and that'll make a difference. Hmm. Okay. All right. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that <clears throat> there's some jobs in the shop that anyone, anyone can do. And, yep. um, but they still take time, right? Yep. They still take time. And whatever isn't being the way that I feel about it is the way, whatever's not taking up my time doing, I mean, I'm supposed to be working on the website and my poor wife is begging me to come in there and help her with a couple things and do my part of it. And I haven't been able to pull out of there. Um, just because of what I know about how I want to describe certain things and, and how to mm -hmm. list them and so on and so forth. And, um, he, and I've just been, I've been kind of stuck in the shop, not because of him, but just because it's a new product line. You're it's, trying to well, make it's, sure it's done right. It's right. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot to it. So I feel like, you know, if I can give him like, they all have slats on the bottom, right? All the slats get sanded before we attach them to the, the yeah. thing. So what's his name goes over to the router table. He routes the, the corners, uh, fingers. And then, uh, by the way, his name is Nash and he loves macaroni and cheese. So we call him Nash and cheese and he seems to smile and like it. So, <laughs> so Nash and cheese, Nash and That's cheese, genius. Will, Nash and cheese will smash. I mean, will kill sanding. He just will. He does a pretty good job. And you know how, like, it's really hard to get somebody to just slow down with the sander and go methodically mm -hmm go against the grain and then finish going with the grain. He mm -hmm. does it. He does it. Um, he awesome. just doesn't ha quite have the eye for like certain things. So I'm trying to teach him that, but um, you know, he, he is, he is a benefit. Um, and hopefully we can get him on the payroll, at least making something to put some money in his pocket for the summer. Oh yeah. And then he can also so, work the router table. If it's just rounding edges and following an edge guide, that's easy. Yeah. I just worry about his fingers, but I mean, just have to use maybe, the paddles. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I could do that. There is one we're doing right now. I did a. I had a forty-five chamfer bit, so I'm under beveling. You know, it's very mid-century under bevel mm -hmm. the top, and I literally maxed out the height an inch and an eighth under bevel today. That's and, aggressive. Um, well, I did it half and then half. Well, maybe like a third and then two thirds. I didn't quite get it right, but it was the whole. It Is that something bit. you could like pre-do on the table saw? So here's my thought. And I, I used to think that maybe I could, right? Let's just do it on the table saw. But here's the thing. If um, it literally takes me a minute to two minutes to set up that router and get mm -hmm. it exactly how I want it with that router table. And then I'm just like, yep. yang, 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 yang. I mean, it's super easy and it doesn't leave saw marks. I mean, it's almost just a little hand sand and it's done. If I cut that mm. on the table saw, I'd have to use, I couldn't use a fine blade. I'd have to use a pretty, you know, like a general purpose or lower ripping blade to cut that much at an angle. Cause it's about an inch and an inch and a half thick. <clears throat> um, it leaves a lot of saw marks and then that's more sanding and 
I don't know. It just seems to turn out really good when I used to chant for a bit. I saw, yeah, I saw Keith Johnson do it, and I asked him why he didn't use the table saw, and he's like, you know, you just don't get any, you just don't get any saw marks in it. It's it's almost done when you're done with the chamfer bit. So yeah, you know that works. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get Ashley to post a picture of this. So uh, some of my runners, like the top runners and the bottom runners of the table, are small. And we have a domino, and I'm using a six millimeter domino in the end of it. So it's almost impossible to hold the the piece and domino it perfectly. Perfectly, they've got the little thing that's got the slides, you know, that holds it mm-hmm. center on the domino. Yep. But I don't like it. I just don't like it. So it's hard to get one side tight. It seems to want to get loose or something. So I saw this guy on um, YouTube make a jig, and it gave me an idea. So what I did is I made this jig with T-track, three T-tracks going in it horizontally, okay. right? And then it's got a fence, and I built the fence so it's exactly beside the left and the right mm-hmm. of the domino because all the pieces that I'm dominoing are only three-quarters of an inch thick, right? Okay. So it's about center to begin with as it is. Because the the what what you don't know, Colton, is that the bottom of the domino jig to the center of the bit is ten millimeters. It's almost center of three quarters. It's pretty close. So you mm-hmm. just have to mark that as your face. So what I did is it's it's attached to this jig, and then I've got these stops that I can move left and right so that I can just have something to butt. And then I put those little toggle clamps on top. So you put your piece in it, you toggle it down, push the thing forward, put your next piece in. And it works really, really good. I'll have to, I'll have to put some pictures of it. And you can even do it where you do a miters, where you cut a forty-five jig too. So yeah, I'll have to link this guy's video. Um, so that I nice. made that today, and it works really good. We're just making parts. Um, so one thing that we'll talk about when we get to the wow, wow, uh, wow, uh, is some weird things going on with the walnut. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, but other than that, I've had no problems. It's just been, I've had a lot of friends just reach out and say, just that stuff is so pretty. I really, really love it. And, um, uh, yeah, I I saw you batching it out, um, in your, in your, on your Insta. Yeah. And, uh, those look really good. Or as far as the black walnut ones. Yeah. We haven't got to the white oak yet, but we will. It's all sitting back there. Uh, let's see if there's anything else. The only other thing that I keep having a problem with, and maybe you can tell me, or either one of you, I don't know. Do you have a drum sander, uh, Ross? Or a white belt sander? No. You don't. Have nope. you ever used one? I have used one. I do not have one. So, like today, there was some, like, sniping stuff from when we planed some of the pieces, like some of the slats and some mm-hmm. of the other pieces from the planer. And um, I just wanted to give them a little sand in the the sander. The sander has a minimum length; it's a uh, fourteen inches. So all these pieces are much larger than that, right? Because it's mm-hmm. two it's two wide belts or whatever you want to call it. So I shot them through, and some of them like got like yeah. dips where it like got stuck. I guess What's because the name I was trying that? like. Uh, on when, when that happens in a planer, what's the name for that? Snipe. Snipe. It's snipe on a planer. So the one thing, 
I will tell you about a planer or a drum sander to avoid snipe. And I know it sounds dumb. Put the piece in at an angle. Put it at like almost a 45 degree angle as you're going in or as, as across the blade as you can. The reason for it is when it's going in just straight like 90 degrees to the table or like parallel to it, um, you have more of a tendency to have dip in there. Whereas when right. you have it across the table, it's cutting at different parts of it. And it I doesn't understand. get as much of the... Oh my well, God. The, Dude, the, that's, that's two good nuggets already. That's, you have the, well, uh, the alcohol and water and then... That works that. with the planer, but it won't work with the drum sander, my drum sander at least, because it if you turn that grain, it digs into it because those drums are hard. They're hard rubber. So it like makes lines like grit lines in the it has to be you have to run it with the grain when you do it. Okay. So what I think uh, yeah. is the problem is that I didn't take off much, right? It was three quarter. I set it to 0.745. So what is that? Five thousandths of an inch or whatever to to take off. If it's even that accurate. And I was putting pieces in like fast, like a bunch. And I would hear them like not go through at speed. Does that make sense? Like the, the pressure rollers are holding up. And so they're not holding it down because the only thing that moves them forward are, is the sandpaper. The sandpaper yeah. is what is actually well. I mean, the conveyor Moving. belt is the conveyor belt is right. So I think what happened was they were getting stuck. You think there was some bend in your board, and like so? No, uh, there's that too. D- different I'm parts sure were touching. I had that problem the other day, and um, when I was running some of these, uh, the tops of the, the boards through, and I end up having to push down on the parts that were sticking out of it, so it could still grip that bottom belt. I wonder if there's like a a, a right. Well, what I found is if I sped up the belt a little bit, the the feed rate, and then because mm-hmm. um, that's the only thing that I can change, you can't change the speed of the sander, and one piece at a time, and it seemed like they didn't get stuck and and like pause in there for a second where it would just sit there and spin in one spot, and it seemed to work pretty much, but I I don't know what speed to run the conveyor if that makes any sense i wonder if there's like a a guide out there for how fast your piece should go through depending on how much you're taking off like a graph you know what i mean versus what grit versus what kind of wood i I don't know if there's any kind of graph out there for that but anyway i I know i know mine's a different ball game because mine's a straight just drum sander not a belt sander yeah but But, it's essentially um, the same but i i run mine really slow Nowadays, which um, a lot of times I am having to hog out a lot of stuff at the same time and I can't do it in multiple passes because the bow and that plywood will ruin it. Right. Um, and I, I need that pressure from the top. So I do it heavy and slow. And um, yeah, whether it's 80 grit or 120. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was about it. We got all the dust collection put together last week. It's ready for the CNC. The little snorkel's sitting right there waiting for. Did for you guys me order to... it yet? No, I don't even know if he sold that okay. house. He's been in Minnesota. I haven't oh, talked right. to him. So, on that note, uh, I just booked a family vacation to come down to, to St. Pete's. Oh, boy. I will be there in the beginning of August. Okay. Uh, so, you and I will coordinate some stuff. I, I'll probably only have one either afternoon or evening to come run over and 
and hang out. But uh, okay. yeah, I'm I'm definitely stoked. So yeah, we Ross, are. You got you got to scope out the shop, man. It's good. Yeah. So we might be moving um, soon because a friend of ours has a rental that's been rented, and we're trying to buy a house. And our rent here is the through the roof. It is I'm moving your house, not moving the shop. Moving my house. Oh, and, I, I was just picturing moving and, that giant uh, dust collector. Oh, I'd, hi, I'd, <laughs> I hi, like, I'd hire a company to move that stuff. I'm not touching yeah, that. Yeah, uh, that might just stay there. I um, uh, yeah. So that's going to be happening amongst all these changes with work and all that stuff. It's going to. You excited for that though? That'd be a good. Well, the idea is that we're going to save a lot of money, and within a year, we should be able to have plenty of cash to put down on a house, and hopefully, the market will have settled down a little bit. So, heck yeah, yeah. heck yeah. Yeah, right, good luck well, on the market, though. We are going to <laughs> simplify. We are selling everything. So if you know anybody that's listening wants to buy a bunch of furniture and stuff, I got all kinds. of I stuff. I mean, if you want to really simplify, uh, Home Depot is selling a uh, like 900-foot, uh, square-foot shed that you could just make into a tiny house. Now and, we're uh, talking. Yes. And just do that up. I could just live there. We don't even have to buy a house. Yeah. Yeah. Done. It's like just put, 10 put grand. Put two of those together. Just really? put it in the parking lot of uh, the, the wood shop. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I thought about getting a travel trailer and living behind the shop, but I don't think it's, I don't think my boss would like that. Uh, I don't think your wife would like that. Let's be honest. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be roughing it. Uh, so, I mean, I think we're at a good point that we should start talking about the wow, wow, the wood of the Wait, week. Ross, uh, what, what? We didn't talk about you, bud. Oh, uh, yeah. I it. mean, we're yeah. I'm not trying to get out of it at all. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have been working on building the white oak desk for my wife and I have one half of it built. Uh, I still have yet to put in the um, hidden phone charger. And really I have to ask my wife if she wants a hidden phone charger, because I could just put a phone charger on top and I don't think she would really care. I would like to put in a hidden one, but um, I want to see what she wants because it's her desk. So yeah, see um, if you can get down to like one sixty four through whatever that you, was before. Why don't you make her one that's um, out of wood that's got it like a stand that's got there's a guy making those and you put the charger yeah. behind that. Yeah, I, so I've made I some wood stand, wood phone stands before. Yeah, yeah, I may I may contract yeah. it out with you. We'll see, but um, yeah, oh, I'm, mine, I'm, mine, yeah. Go, go ahead. Honestly, the, my my phone stand is real simple. It was just for me, so it was a, a two by four block. With a little dado, and then I glued a piece of poplar up <laughs> so it stands on it. Right. I want to make so one of those. Not, it's not pretty. Makes the speaker really loud. Have you seen those? Yeah, those are cool. That is so neat. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Uh, so yeah, I've been working on that and just dialing in the the massive dovetails, and uh, I have one half of it done. I still have to chamfer the the top of the the dovetails as they come through the bench or through the desk. And I have cut the other side of the desk joinery. I need to transfer those lines down to the opposite leg. But that was supposed to happen today. It'll happen tomorrow. But I actually today had to start working on um, the same customer that I built all the eBay projects for. Wanted one last project from me. Uh, and it was actually the reason I had gone to uh, the wood mill where I had the, the dude who was pulling out the thousands of board feet of black walnut. Um, mm-hmm. so I got to build this project. It's, it's a really simple project. I just have to box join some stuff together to make kind of a, uh, a, a skirt, if you will, for the back of an antique singer sewing table that I made for this customer. 
So they just wanted to look nicer. So I have a piece of Wenge that I was uh, working with today. So I got the glue up done. Tomorrow we'll start the joinery. So, yeah. So questions. Right. How are you going to chamfer the tops of those dovetails? Are you using a block plane or are you going to do it by the chisel? Uh, in all honesty, just to make sure those are uniform, I will more than likely use... Use a router. Yeah, just a palm router for the top of those. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but everything else has been done by hand. Like I'm even, a lot of people are like, oh, you use a jigsaw to hog out the majority of the, the waste. I've been doing everything with a chisel. Like I'm cutting, cutting the shoulders with, with a saw. Everything else has been done by chisel and it's You're been, nuts. it's been so much fun. I'm actually pretty quick at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm faster than I would be if I was doing it with the jigsaw. That's for sure. You're going to, you're, you're going to get your skills up to like some sort of crazy level doing yeah. all that. I've had work. to make a couple jigs just to like align everything to make sure I'm cutting a, a perpendicular face and keeping everything totally straight. Uh, but it's been, it's been awesome. I've really enjoyed this project. So that's really, yeah, it's neat. I've always actually kind of wanted to do something like that. Maybe with opposing colors of wood or something like that. Yeah. That'd be cool oh, too. Really? And yeah, I think in all honesty, if yeah, walnut and maple would be awesome. Uh, I of course went with one of the more difficult woods to work with. Yes, you did. Um, because that's what I had on hand, but it's fine. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So, oh, that desk will last for the that desk will unless your It'll house burns me. down. It, yeah, it'll it'll be passed around. You got to you got to scribe it out on the bottom and who you are and everything. Because yeah, one day somebody's gonna find that it's gonna be worth something. It's yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, I've that's... never seen one like it. I don't think. Well, awesome. I originally was yeah. just going to do like a waterfall uh, and have it look like, you know, one continuous piece. But and I was like, eh, everybody's done Everybody that. does that. Yeah. So everybody that's why I went with that. this. Seemed more I'm fun. Kinda, I'm kind of over everybody does that stuff. I saw some guy and he was making these beautiful, uh, they did a live edge desk and they did live edge floating shelves and they had to make these special brackets. It was Keith. It was Keith Johnson. That's who it was. Yeah. And I'm just like. I don't like live edge anymore. Like as much as I used to, I yeah. just, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's just overdone. I don't if know. You I mean, it's check beautiful. out, uh, Mike coffee, uh, just made a desk that had like brass inlays and it's like a mid century modern take oh, on a desk. Go. Dude, no, it is, look at it. it is awesome. Uh, definitely, definitely a cool piece. So I like mid century stuff. That's got like a, like a white or brass or black, or yeah. navy like line just abstract like yep. through the whole piece like it wraps around i really love that stuff but we'll see because it's expensive to to make something like that and so yes, that would just is. be something for myself it wouldn't be for so be for, that's actually that's that's the hard part that i'm having at the moment is i'm spending so much time on this piece for my wife which is great because i want it done right i'm gonna see it all the time i want it to be perfect yeah but I'm spending all this time and I'm not getting any money out of it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I actually had a customer that I had built the, some bourbon shelves for a long time ago that contracted me to build an outdoor kitchen for him. So that's supposed to happen the week of the 4th of July. So I'm going to be fairly busy going into that project, but it's going to be a multi-stage and the customer wants to run the entire project as the GC but he's never GC'd anything before and mm. he doesn't know all the stages that are going into said build. So 
I have a feeling I'm going to have to help out with some things. So, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It's literally just putting the whole thing together and he wants it all made and then wrapped to look like his house. And he's got massive, uh, uh, I guess it'd be Southern style uh, posts uh, on the corners. Well, uh, holding up like his patio and everything. And then it's siding, Mm -hmm. but the siding is actually super tall floor molding with like the, the alcove at the top. So each line of siding has that like detail in there. So it's going to take a little time. It's going to be expensive, but it'll be fun. Well, you know, I feel like some of the harder things that I've ever taken on, whether it was for somebody or for myself, I learned something. And the next thing you know, somebody saw it and they're like, Hey, I want that. And then you get to charge for this special thing that you, you know, like basically only you knew how to do. So I actually, I've been having a lot of people reaching out to me via TikTok, which I didn't expect. Uh, People reaching out and Colton, you can probably help me out with this a little more. Uh, But I've had people reaching out for custom furniture, which is awesome. Uh, but really, oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I've had people reaching out about Are they, they like, local. So that's one of the things I'm asking first and foremost. I'm like, Hey, just so you know, I'm in Chicagoland. If you're anywhere within like two hours of Chicago, we can make this work. If not, I'm going to have to ship it to you and we'll have to figure that out. But like I had a lady reach out and she basically wants this like massive bed build that kind of goes into like the corner, but the headboard goes to the ceiling and it's got like um, hexa- uh, hexagonal shaped shelving in there. And then the, the bed's on a platform that wraps around uh, and has shelving or uh, cubbies, I guess, underneath the top of the platform. And uh, so I'm waiting to hear back from her. But there's all kinds of projects that people are reaching out for. So Did you awesome, tell her man. Did you tell her $18,000, $20,000? Well, I, I asked her where she was at first and had a couple questions. And once I can do a sketch up of it, then we can start talking price. Awesome. So, Hey, one thing I was going to say, uh, as far as shipping, I don't let that, in my opinion, don't let that immediately scare you away from like, it doesn't on a scare me. Um, it's more scaring the customer away because I don't build stuff light. So shipping mm-hmm. is going to be like, and what you just described is not uh, something that you'd have to install it yourself. There's just yeah. no way. Oh, Either so that or be like I have to design trip. it. Yeah, I have Fair to design enough. it so that it could be taken down, and then it's a, a totally different design challenge. So, yeah. yeah. But as far as like shipping costs, like um, you know, I, I get my discount through Shopify, right? Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Like, so Crystal went to Denver this week, and she forgot her like her makeup and contacts at the house, and um, I shipped it to her. It, like if you just walked into UPS and shipped it, it was going to be like 130 bucks to overnight. Mm-hmm. It. And I shipped it for like 40 bucks. And, uh, but uh, I've heard of like, I've never used it, but like pirate ship. Yeah. And then there's some Yarr. other, uh, some other yeah web-based, whatever apps and things uh, yeah. you can sign up with and save a lot of money on shipping. And uh, so I just say, don't let that scare you on that. There's one shipping. that just does the U S postal service and it's really cheap too. Uh, even cheaper than pirate ship. There's a bunch of them out yeah. there. My problem using is USPS. I hope they get it, but yeah. Oh, anything well, that I'm building, literally it would probably have to be like a freight shipment. Like the smallest piece I've ever probably made. Probably LTL, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I, I most shipments that are most products that I've made are 150 pounds at a minimum. 
I don't build small. I don't, I don't feel comfortable building small. I feel yeah. like everything's going to break. I want like Andre the Giant to be able to like pile drive somebody <laughs> on, on whatever I'm making and it stands up. Well, well, good. That's, your, that's, well, that's, your that's thing, why people though. want to buy your shit, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that the reason one of the reasons that you can do that, Ross, is because you have a large shop. Yes. And a lot of these guys have small shops. And so they really can't make something that heavy and that big because mm-hmm. it's just impossible. It's just yep. impossible in the shop. I used to make a lot of really big, heavy stuff like that. And we had a big shop. And um, I, uh, I know what you mean by just like. I, I want someone to be able to stand on the leg of this on its corner and it not break. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, there's never going to be a, a call like, Hey, this table's getting wobbly or something. It's just never going to happen. Yeah. Not happening. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's exciting that uh, they're reaching out, man. About that yeah. Stuff. It's, it's happening more and more. I'm probably getting about every week to week and a half. I'm getting a new request uh, via TikTok, which is crazy. All right. That's really so, neat. Yeah. So okay, so what yeah, of the week? TikTok sells, dude. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wood Wood of the week. Wow. So wow. you will wow. you will guys will have to Colton always says I know so much about wood. Well, <clears throat> you don't know what you don't know. So we ordered walnut uh from that place that I get it, the rugby place, right? And the first bit that I ordered was S2S black walnut, right? Yep. Now for our, or actually it's S3S. So for cus- for people that are listening, they don't know what S3S means. It means surface three sides. So they basically plane both sides of it and they leave it just a little bit thicker than three quarters of an inch. Generally, it's like 13 sixteenths is what I get. And then one side is what's called straight line ripped. So they just cut it with a special saw that just cuts a straight line on one side and then it's playing down to just over three quarters. So it's 13 sixteenths straight on one side. And it's an okay shape, but they don't really like make sure it's straight or anything. Anyway, so that's what that is. So that's how I ordered my thinner stock. Instead of having to mill it from one inch thick, full four quarter, I yeah. just ordered that. And then I mill it down just a little bit or kind of skip playing it or run it through drum sand or something. And because the parts are so small, it doesn't really matter too much. Mm-hmm. So that's what I made the tables out of, the small side tables out of. And mm-hmm. you see the color, right? You got the beautiful golden sapwood in there mm-hmm. in some of it and some of the really dark things. There's even some, I think it's called crotch cuts where there's like black burly looking stuff going through it yeah. and all kind of fun, beautiful things. And then I wanted to make the coffee tables and the consoles out of thicker walnut so i ordered six quarters so i'd wind up with i don't know an inch and a quarter inch and an eighth something like that that's what i was shooting for so yeah. i wound up getting an inch and a quarter but i'm putting this walnut that i j- now that came rough sawing so i'm milling that myself with a joiner and a planer and it's a table saw and i mill it and i put it next to that wood that's s2s s3s and it doesn't look like the same wood like not even the, not the same kind of walnut so mm-hmm. in my head, all of a sudden I go, holy cow, are there different kinds of walnut? Like how many different kinds of walnut are there? Because I said black walnut when I ordered the big stuff, right? So I, and, I do know that Peruvian black walnut. Well, no, you're, like, no, you're going to run it for me. Oh, sorry. You're going to run it for me. Okay. So I didn't know 
what I didn't know. Like I did hadn't even looked it up yet. I didn't get on Google. I didn't do anything. But my guy that I deal with knows everything about wood because he's been selling this stuff for like 40 years. Yeah. So I said, is this because I said black walnut when I ordered the thick stuff. But yeah. I just said walnut when I ordered the S2S. So I thought, oh, no, they've mixed up the walnuts or I don't know. Something was going through my mind. So I called him. I said, Mike, did, did, did I order the wrong thing? Do I got, you know, four grand worth of walnut here? This like different color. And he goes, no. He goes, we got it from the same place. It's black American black walnut. So I said, did I said, then all of a sudden it like dawns and he goes, now I don't know if it came from the same forest, but it came from the same place and it's, they all label it as American black walnut and they know their trees. So I'm like, okay. So I said, do you think it's because one has sat out already planed and milled and oxidized that layer? You know what I mean? Cause I don't know how long it's yeah. been sitting out. It could have been sitting out for six months. I don't know. Plus yeah. it's was been it, dry. Was it, like a, was it lighter, like a lighter brown? It was like, gray brown kind of like when you see veneered walnut plywood it looks like Mm -hmm. that no red to it almost no red at all and this has a lot of red as you can see so i'm like sweating bullets so anyway they had even brought us some floating shelf system that they were trying to sell us and it had american black walnut on it and it's that plywood black walnut like no red very modern looking and i'm just like i i've I, this is the other world. So anyway, so I said, do you think it's because this oxidized and I just milled this, right? It has just set out for minutes. Do you think that's the difference? And he goes, probably. And then we started talking about it and he said, well, it could make a difference. You know, the colors are going to vary based on what the soil is and the iron content and all these different things are going to affect the color, but no, it's all the same. So the wood of the week is walnut, but not black walnut. The main six types of walnut are that most people deal with, right? There is American black walnut. There is Claro walnut, Mm -hmm. which we'll go over what the differences are. There's English walnut. Which is very hard to find now. Correct. There is Peruvian walnut, which you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And then there is white, also called butternut walnut. Hmm. Okay. And there's also called Bastone, which looks like bologna. B-A-S-T-O-G-N-E. Bastone walnut. That's so, supposed to be like the most figured of all the walnuts. The Bastone. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's a hybrid of English and Claro. Yes. Is what Bastone is, right? So basically what you've got, what we use mostly in the States is American black walnut. So that's going to be coming from North America. Um as far as I can tell, most of that comes from the West Coast. So like California, Oregon, things like that. That's where American black walnut wood comes. The white walnut, which is the butternut, comes from the East Coast, like uh, like Southeastern Canada and the yeah. Eastern U.S. And then Peruvian comes from Peru. Pe- Peru. Yeah, Peru. And then English walnut is, you know, from European areas and some of Asia. So are you getting anything shown on your map that's coming from the Midwest or Great Lakes region? So it, the what thing I'm looking at right now. So he talked about that. He said they could have got it, you know, like in a different place. 
and this and that, but you know, it's all the same species. But what we found is after I left it over like two days over the weekend, it did slightly change color. Okay. And then after I started rubbing oil on it and like really just like rubbing it with the little scrubby pad, you know, it got real hard. It got really hard and hot. No, it got, uh, the red started to come out okay. a little bit. So that tracks. I was just <laughs> terrified for no reason, as always. I over what was that saying, by the way, you had the other day? Overthinking something. Uh um, in the plan something about planning. Paranoia in the planning, or what was it? Oh, uh um, talking about analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. Yeah. God, I gotta write I gotta write that down. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so I I will say there is a ton of in the Great Lakes region, and I'm talking kind of encircling Lake Michigan. So Wisconsin, Michigan, I wouldn't really say Indiana. There's not a ton of forests around that part of the lake. Uh, And then Illinois, we have a ton of black walnut that's like natural. And it ranges anywhere from the gray color to the super dark, like black um uh-huh. super dark black walnut because some of it is really really old growth especially right. as you get more towards wisconsin in the upper peninsula of michigan um but there are some absolutely stunning pieces that we're getting from around here so yeah there's um, definitely i actually have some that uh that i milled up in my shop not too long ago that i need to actually get back to milling now that i think about it yeah. um one thing i will say about walnut since i've used it so much um, it is one of the nicest things to work with. I see why everybody loves working with it because it is hard. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it is not, I mean, it's somewhere close, not quite as like white Oak, but it just, I don't know. It just gives just the right amount. It's just hard enough not to be like a soft wood, but it's not so hard that you're like killing yourself like ironwood or teak or something like that. Or you're selling you, eBay. It's like yeah. working with. Uh, by the way, Colton, I still haven't sent out your eBay samples. I need to do that. It's sitting on my desk. I just well, we did cut my, it. My mailbox every morning, just waiting. We cut it the other day. It yeah. smelled like I smelled like armpit and dog. That's what I yes. smelled. Smelled. Yeah, armpit or wet dog. Yeah. Yeah. He said. I said. I told him. I said Ross yelled at me and said that it was because we had the dust collector on. And he's like, well, let's cut it without it. And he goes, that he can't smell good, and he mm-hmm. smelled it. So yeah, it yeah, stinks. It's it's gross. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say something, I forgot what it was. Uh, oh well. Uh, well, s- sending me the EPA. Uh, yeah, it was before that. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. So uh, walnut, I would consider this is gonna sound as Colton has said before. It may not be the most popular opinion. Uh, I would consider it the spam of the wood world. Oh my gosh. And the reason for that is it's from Hawaii. No, it, it seems like one of those things that you're like, Oh my God, I could never build something out of Walnut. It's, it's this, it's that. But once you start doing it, you're like, Oh my God, it it works with everything. Oh yes. It's, it's easy to use it. It, it works. And spam is one of those people are like, I could never eat spam. And then you put it into like spam and eggs or like, Fry it up, and it's ridiculously good. Yes, it's very salty. It a, it's very yeah, good. you just got to give it a chance. I I okay, like that, that was a good recovery. I thought you were about to shit on black walnut, and I was. No. Gonna, I, <laughs> I, was I don't. Not, I don't not like your opinion. Like I've worked with, I've worked with um, uh, some teak. 
I've worked with like extensively. We're talking not like a little bit. I've worked with the Walnut now, uh, White Oak a lot, Red Oak a lot, uh, that extinct chestnut stuff because mm-hmm. we had a bunch of beams that came in that were chestnut, chestnut. Um, it's probably just because it's old. It's real splintery, and it's very gold. Um, yes, hard maple, hard maple, soft maple, pine of all types, fir, and I think that the one that I hate working with the most is hard maple because it just, especially when you get it S3S, it's so crooked and it like wants to go like you cut it on the table saw, unless you take off an eighth. The problem that I always had is it, it just like goes, it, 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 there's There's like so much tension tension. in it. Yeah. Uh, And it burns so easy, even with a router, it like you try to put an edge on and it burns because it's got so much sugar in it. And I just I've never liked hard but maple. But it does, and it does smell have, like maple syrup when you're. It when does you're smell it. like maple syrup. It does smell good, but uh, it um it doesn't have any grain. It's like cherry, you know. It's just kind of like that. There, yeah. Uh, so I'm working with that Wenge uh, right now, and I Lucky. will say, uh, Wenge overall, I've never worked with it before. Just running it through the jointer today, the edge looked like, in all honesty, you had taken a piece of like pine. And tried to stain it like a black walnut color, and then you sanded it back, and like some of the grain took it real dark, and some of it was really? real light. It's it's the weirdest it's coming out of the planer. combination uh, coming out of the joiner. Like I'm oh, going to put it through right, the yeah. planer tomorrow, but like when you look at Wenge, it is the most fibrous wood I've ever seen in person. It literally looks like you can. Yeah, I, I'll do that actually. Um, I've never seen it. I, that sounds exciting. It literally yeah. looks as if you can look down and see the physical strands of the wood. Like you can see them all overlapping. It's like you could sit there with tweezers and like pull them, pull them all apart. That's so if, if you guys want to research a wood um, right now, for some reason in this area, because it seems coastal and people that can't see me, I'm shaking my head like some sort of rich bleak blank bobblehead. Uh, Mango wood. It is the ugliest freaking wood I have ever seen. So have you ever got like the back of a piece of furniture and it's got like the the B Z grade plywood that's got all the knots and all this weird yeah. stuff and in fact that's what mango wood looks like to me. Oh. And they're making they're making stuff out of it. And I guess it's interesting, but it's just like it's so soft and it's so fuzzy. And it's so full of mm. knots and all this different stuff. But people, they've got this really pretty piece of furniture uh, that's got like all these cuts. It's like, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe describe it, like a half of an octagon and then tapered down to nothing. And there's like six of them in the front. And it's just like a bar. And I guess those open or whatever or tilt forward or something. I don't know. But it's like $8,000 or whatever in their store. But um it's made out of mango wood, and I just don't like it. I don't like hmm. it, but it's super what popular color is right it? now. A lot of different colors. It's light. Imagine like a really naughty pine mixed with like some green and some red. It's really weird looking. Hmm. Isn't mango yeah. a, a Japanese term as well? For no mango. Like- no mango. Like the fruit. I wonder. I don't yeah, think it's mango. mango trees. Yeah, I thought you were saying talking, mango. No, that's that's <laughs> Japanimation company yeah okay yeah different different thing oh you can 
Yeah, we're not getting into hentai here. No. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Uh, so <laughs> that's just, in the after show. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Jess, do you have a weird wood fact for the week? Yes. So we were just talking about, uh, well, we were talking about teak, but like ironwood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are some types of ironwoods that are so dense that their specific gravity uh, is more than one, so they sink in water. That's really? how dense they are. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. It's like a little rock, but it's well, still made out of wood. So I will like have you know, yeah. when I go swimming, I do not sink to the bottom. So that means I am not dense. <laughs> that means your specific gravity is less than one. That, that means correct. I am brilliant, Jess. So we're going to stick is, with that. That's right. Yep. That's what I yeah. got out of that conversation. So yeah, Keep believing that, buddy. No, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, right. It's a little victories, you know, every day. So, uh, Colton, let's. Uh, do you want to dive into the whiskey of the week, or you want to you want to talk something else first? Let's let's do some whiskey, baby. All right. Now, last week's whiskey was Bell Mead. Were mm-hmm. you able to find any Bell Mead? No, but you said that. Uh, so, what was it like? They're they're changing the name to Nelson yeah, so- Brothers and Nelson Greenbrier, right? Jess is showing us a picture of the mango wood, oh. and it's um, it looks I like, like it. It's, uh, it, it, it's it almost like a... looks like somebody tried to make something out of pallet wood and didn't sand everything down. <laughs> you better believe it. I was thinking that might be good for like farm style kind of stuff, ranch furniture. Mm-hmm. It's very. Look. You know how much that you know how much that cabinet is? Twelve hundred and fifty dollars on Wayfair. <laughs> so that means it's made in the Philippines. Oh, and it's for, it's regularly fourteen hundred. I don't know. It's really ugly mm. to me. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Colton, yes. To to answer yeah. your question, Bell Mead was a prominent brand. It is still available in a lot of stores, but the it got purchased by another company, uh, and they are changing the name to either Nelson Brothers or Nelson Greenbrier, depending yeah. on the, the mark that they're putting out. So here in H Town, man, I called around a handful of liquor stores, and I no one had Bell Mead. Like uh, one of them had it at one point, and um, it's kind of my go-to liquor store yeah. for like finding like off liquors that you can't find. Um, but they yeah they they had it at one point, didn't have any more, but they did have the Nelson Brothers, and uh, so I ended up with the Nelson Greenbrier. Okay, and it it was good, man. Um, for the price point, I'll say that too. Uh, so I got it under thirty bucks. Okay, which um, that's yeah, that's I was wondering if that's almost like yeah, mismarked or something, or just like they didn't, whatever. It was uh, like just under thirty, and yeah, it, it it went well. Like I wouldn't order it on the rocks, but I'll I'll drink it in a flask at a concert, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, definitely do it in a cocktail. Okay, but it, it's a uh, so it's kind of hot. Hot, 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 hot. It's like 91% or, or not 91 proof, like 45.5%. Yeah. Yep. Right. And um, so it's a little hot, hot out the gate. But uh, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of like uh, back when we were doing jujitsu. Right. And um, whenever you like when you're first getting to like the half speed sparring. Right. Mm-hmm. And someone's got you in a headlock and you you get out of it like your nose gets put you can smell blood or whatever but you get out of it right and then you get them in a headlock and um it's kind of it's kind of what this whiskey was like you know it kind of hits hard 
right out the gate. And then, um, then there's a little reward at the end, but it, it was a, it was, it was hot, but it was complimented by the, the malt. So, yeah. Am I saying that right? Am I yep. thinking beer? Okay. Like the kind of like the sweet at the end yeah, and a kind of full and yeah, it's pretty dark in color, but, uh, it, it definitely goes well in a cocktail. And, um, did it, dandy? I did the, uh, yeah, it, it did it dandy, man. It dandy like candy <laughs> make you want to do your laundry, get real fancy. I yeah. like it. Did me so good. I had to go buy plan B. Yeah. Really, really <laughs> good dandy. <laughs> nice. It dandy. Um, nice. I, I did the same dandies last week uh, with the fever tree. So like yeah. a real sharp ginger. And then um, with that grenadine that has the pomegranate and cherry in it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, sipping on it right now. Did, did really nice. well. Excellent. Uh, so the whiskey for this week, we're actually going to jump the other pond. We're going to go over to Japan and I'm going to take oh. you into a little bit. Of oh, Japanese yes. Whiskey. I love <laughs> Japanese whiskeys. Awesome. Man, any, anytime someone busts a bottle of that out, I'm like, let me add it. So uh, uh, hit me with it. So what we're doing for next week is the Hibiki. So just the, the baseline Hibiki, H-I-B-I-K-I. And uh, the fun part about the Japanese whiskey industry it is all entirely based off the Scotch whiskey industry. And in all honesty, the, the biggest difference is at a Scotch whiskey distillery, whether it is a single malt distillery, let's start with those. Um, whether it's Glenlivet or Glenfiddich or McAllen or Valent or, uh, um, I mean, you Balvini? name whatever the, yeah, Balvini, oh. you name the distillery. Uh, they may have multiples of the two different types of stills, but they only have two different types of stills. They have a wash still, and they have a um, a fermentation still and a wash still. So uh, basically, they're doing a dual distillation, and they could have multiples of those to magnify the or multiply the amount of whiskey that they make. But they're only making one kind of whiskey. Whereas at uh, a Japanese distillery, the benefit of it is they actually have upwards of uh, four to six different types of wash stills and four to six different types of um, the alcohol still. So, uh, they literally can say, let's do this batch with that wash still and that, uh, alcohol still. And then we're going to switch over to do that one, um, for, uh, this wash still. And then we'll do this guy over here for, uh, this alcohol. And so it's going to give you a totally different breadth of flavors. And the Japanese whiskey tends to have a lot more variety and depth from one distillery than you would ever get out of the Scotch whiskey, uh, industry. So the Hibiki in general is going to have a lot of like green apple fruit. Uh, You're also going to get a lot of like floral. um, Think of like white type flowers like daisies and um, petunias, if you will. Uh, But then you're also going to get a lot more of your honey in there. So it's definitely like a springtime feel like early springtime. All the flowers are blooming. um, The first fruits you're getting in the spring that's what that whiskey tastes like. So very nice. Yeah. Jesus. Excellent. So I, I don't feel like we should mix that with the dandy. I feel like that's just a, well, you need it, something different. maybe like a light ginger, but so uh, like I was going to ask you for a suggestion, Ross, yep. but also um, I got a buddy who is a uh, kind of a self-proclaimed or whatever learned himself mixologist. Yep. Right. And, um, yeah, when I'm over at his house, I'm the uh, Negroni Zamboni. 
right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I was going to consult him on what to do with the Japanese whiskey. But did you have any suggestions as well? Uh, so I would definitely stick on the lighter side on this one. Um, trying to think of what I would do. Uh, some of the cocktails I've done before have been with like a sparkling apple juice with it. Um, sparkling apple juice. Yeah. Those are a little bit tougher to find though. So, uh, I'm going to send you some, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, 10, four, but I'll, I'll send you a couple recipes, but I, it'll definitely be more along the spring lighter feel type whiskey, uh, cocktails. So excellent. Yeah. So, uh, so boys, do we have anything we're mixing up with the Japanese? Yeah. You know, we've, we've done some of the other regions of the world and I haven't taken you Mm -hmm. over to that side of the the world yet. So I wanted you to, uh, dive in. Yeah. We hit the rise pretty hard and then, uh, yeah, around the world. I like that around the world. Whiskey's around the world. Yeah, you've done some Canadian, you've done some some Scotch whiskeys. Um, so yeah, some you're getting Irish. yeah, you some Irish yeah. in there as well. So you've you've gotten a good mix. Yeah. So. Oh, dude, uh, yeah. Moving on to the next part, I, I got I got I got a nugget. What do you got? Um, well, I got two, um, smaller, but yeah. I, as you can see on my head, I got this little headband thing. Mm-hmm. So Texas. this is actually what. Uh, yeah, it it is a Texas flag, but it's um like that athletic material, whatever it's kind of stretchy, mm-hmm. but so my shop, I need to insulate it better. So I do have a, a big ass, uh, window unit that like we cut a big hole in the wall and put it in. I don't know how can... you don't sweat like a whore in church in your shop. Uh, I, I, I sweat constantly right now. Um, I need to insulate it better, but, um, I, I think the first step I'm going to do is, uh, the garage door. I was looking up different because, you know, they sell like the panels that like are made for garage doors. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I I can get a better R value if I just buy like the big sheets of the foam board and cut it myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can get a better R value and, and do that. But so, yeah, looking that up. But I don't want to lose my windows, all of them. So I, I got like one row is windows about eye level. And because uh, I, I do need to see the daylight. And it goes from the, from the window <laughs> to the wall. <laughs> to to the sweat drop down my my back yeah <laughs> yeah my kitty and my my crack um yeah uh but yeah no it being i i as of right now like it, it gets up to like 90 degrees in there sometimes so Ooh. only time i can pour resin is at night and even then it's in the uh, either low 80s or high 70s and i'm pushing it, it it's it speeds up the time of everything because you know I have the time pretty well down as to where I when I mix when I mix in the color, when I uh, pour it and when I stir it and everything and everything is cutting about half when I'm at this new temperature, but I I just sweat all day, and which I don't care for me personally I'll, I'll endure it, uh, I drink a lot of water, but it's uh, all the processes and all the chemicals I have in there and the different that it the heat messes with everything so. That's why I really got to get the temperature down. But yeah, it definitely makes for a swampy mahoo-hoo. Well, ah, there. Well, <laughs> you sure. were telling us about this headband. What, what, what about oh, the headband. headband. Uh, I got sidetracked. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wait. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. My, my thing disconnected. There we go. I'm back. Um, so, 
a backwards hat doesn't absorb anything. Correct. Right. A forward hat for me sometimes gets in the way and uh, a bandana does good, but it soaks up the sweat and absorbs it. Right. And you got just a, a freaking kitchen uh, sponge on your head all day. Yep. And you got to wash them uh, more often because of that. And, but this is what I actually ran that half marathon. I almost freaking died at in January. <laughs> and it's just like an athletic headband. You know, it feels like Under Armour material. Yeah. But it's done great. Like uh, the sweat kind of evaporates off, but it keeps it from running down my face and uh, keeps the mullet back. And uh, yeah, it, it for for a hot shop, like it's just like a marathon headband that you'd see a, a hipster with a man bun wear or whatever. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it works really well, though. And, and then mine is the uh, has the Texas state of Texas printed on it. So nice. I like it. Um, I got, when I was at one of the big box stores, you know, we have one of the pro accounts or whatever. And so they had like pro appreciation, blah, blah, blah. And they said, do you have a pro? And I was like, yeah. And she said, okay, here, pick out something. And so they gave me this, it's a, it's the thing you put around your neck. The blue towel. Oh yeah. Right. But this one said their name on it. Right. And it was huge. And I'm like, whatever. And it was hot. I mean, it was hot. It was in the 90s. It was, you know, 80% humidity or whatever the freak it was. And the thing feels cool all the time. It's like freaking magic. Hmm. I don't know how, how you they soak work. soak it or anything? No. Well, I mean, you're going to get it wet putting it around your neck. But no, it feels cool to the touch all the time. It's very, very weird. So huh. those I think things, I have a pillow with that stuff on it. Like, we, we, like we had a guy that used to have like two or three of them. And we had a fridge in the back of the shop. And he'd throw them in the freezer. So there's my pro tip. He'd throw them in the freezer and he'd, cause it would get really hot in the shop sometimes in my old shop. And he would just put that cold one in and go Hoo! and put it on for a minute. And then it would keep him cool because if you keep something around your neck, if you're really getting too hot, especially somebody with high blood pressure or something, it's dangerous. And so if you keep it around your neck, you know, you got so much blood through in your neck, it really does cool you off. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you got like a main artery right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there, your armpits and your crotch. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Those are, those are good nuggets. Um, yeah. I'm going to revert back to using a mixture of water and rubbing alcohol for yeah. uh, spray it on anything you are about to pair with a chisel. And it makes it exponentially easier. And uh, if you're doing it correctly, it literally looks like you're just lightly shaving off um, what would be, you know, like one tiny layer of skin. So. What was that second nugget you had this episode? Um, Oh, putting stuff through your your planer at an angle so that you don't get sniped. That makes sense. Yeah, it does work. My, yep. most because what what your planer is doing a lot of times it pushes down on the bed so hard with metal rollers right mm-hmm. so you know the game of tiddlywinks god i haven't played that about? game in forever okay well tiddlywinks but with people don't. that don't know yeah you wouldn't is, is know this, is this rated pg so ah. it's kind of <laughs> like that it's kind of like that drinking game where you you get that you take the edge of one coin or like a plastic chip and you push the edge of the other chip and it it pops up it's, it's, you know what I'm talking it's like about? Playing, it's like playing Pogs, but without a slammer. 
Okay. <laughs> so that's what your planer's doing because it's getting in there and it's grabbing that piece and it will like flip it up. And then as it's coming out, it's trying to flip it back the other way and it pushes it up into the planer blade. So yep. I've tried to teach myself to make two things. Hold it down tight to the planer as it goes in and have the other guy on the other side know that he's supposed to kind of hold it and let it slide through his fingers uh, on the other side. Or the biggest thing is have a feeder board. Always have them butted up end to end. You'll only get snipe on the front one. And then if you just keep like keep a motion going and feed the next one, literally touching the other one as it goes in, it can never pop up. See, because then the rollers are always touching something. Mm-hmm. So that's you a just good have little... to have somebody else catching on the other side if you're feeding them in that quick. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Oh. You have to have a pitcher and a catcher. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. Anything else we want to cover? <laughs> No, I, I think we've offended oh. enough people with this podcast. <laughs> We're touching on all of it, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, hey. Oh, uh, I, I do have a motivational note to end on. Okay. Uh, I mean, so I, I think I made this a week and a half ago. Um, so we bought some like old, or it was some real ratty like cherry, right? And uh, I had like crystal wanted to fill all these like spots in it um with like resin and stuff and so we bought it It was like on super sale whatever they're basically giving away at the mill and uh i've had it just sitting on my shelf for years but i I cut off a little piece of it and i lasered on um a quote and uh it's a what i feed will grow and what i starve will die right and Mm -hmm. for me like I, i i look at it and i try to touch it every time i leave the shop right to think about it and it's about the little habits in my day right and you know if i feed working on the right stuff at the right time or feed getting up early every day or feed whatever that will grow and uh, what i starve will die so like cracking a beer every day at five you know if i feed that habit every day it's gonna grow right but if i starve it's gonna die Mm -hmm. and it, it it was such a, I heard it on like a motivational little podcast thing and it, it stuck with me, but I like it. It's so simple, but it's so, it's so true. Yeah. And it's harsh too. Like we'll die. I love it. <laughs> I, star will die. I have a motivational quote to go along with that. Um, one I heard from my father uh, and he said, um, love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's probably crap. <laughs> My dad used to say, my dad used to fart and then say, does air have lumps? He said that most of my life. <laughs> God. And on that note, <laughs> I think that's that brown, good. that brown note. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for tuning into the episode this week. We hope you have enjoyed every second of this episode. And if you didn't, please send all your complaints to our legal representation at the Mexican law offices of No Son Problemo. For Jess, Colton, and Ross, this has been the Beat Around the Bench podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Wow!